How y'all doing? All right. When uh, service started, I was like, wow, where, where is everybody? They, uh, it must be too cloudy today. But uh, welcome. Welcome to Upper Room. Welcome online. And uh, welcome balconies. So we'll do a little transition here, and then we'll get into some things. If you missed deeper, man, you really missed out. There was an incredible turnout, tons of people coming. Uh, Mike sent me a text this week how, how amazing it was and how powerful. Um, we started, man, Anna just led us into some worship. Um, with just two short, powerful, intimate songs. It just felt like, felt like we were in a living room with family and just going deep in, uh, in worship. Then we broke out into the small groups, and how many enjoyed that? That came. It was awesome. So just there was a hunger. I know the one uh, with the worship and prayer with Corey and Anna were, was packed, and uh, I know that one of the topics was, can we meet every week? This is awesome. The depth in which they went, and I think Mike worded it like it went so deep. It was absolutely incredible, but yet reached everybody in there. And um, so it was just awesome. So if we're going to continue that. We're excited. It's the fourth Sunday of every month, so don't miss out. But I uh, want to thank everybody, and I know Emily Farley took on the kids, and it was just fun. It, honestly, it was very simple, but fun, 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 and deep. And uh, Zach, I was we were joking around with him. We're like, so Zach, he was on the fence whether or not he was going to come. And so Nicole was giving him a hard time, and he's like, all right, it was good enough. I'll come back. So, so he approves. He approves that message. Okay, we've been in this series, and uh, I don't want to take too much longer and just getting right into this week. And, um, man, I've been prepping this message for several weeks now, and it's been on my heart, and I'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, but I, I was, yesterday I was like, man, it's just so much. And um, I, I was like, I'm not preaching next week or the week after. Nicole, you got Nicole next week. Man, this October lineup's already hot. You got Nicole next week, then Corey uh, the week after that, and then I'll be back. So it's going to be fun. But I'm like, I can't do like a long one, and I can't split it in half because it's going to be three weeks before I speak again. So uh, Nicole's like, hey, I'll just take the second part. So today we're going to talk about going deeper and rooting in. And then next week, Nicole's going to talk about bearing fruit. So we're going to reference some trees in a little bit. So if you've not been with us or if this is your first few weeks, uh, we've been in this, man, like three-month series, two to three months on just family. What is church? What is the culture of church? What is the body of Christ? What is the family of God? You hear all these references in a lot of different churches use different language to what we would define the people of the building, okay? Because church is not a building. It's not a structure. God did not plant a building in a garden. He planted a family in the Garden of Eden. He wants family. The government of heaven is family. Family is simply the organized functioning unit of love. Family is a place where we can come in and we're all part of this and there is no separation based on your history, your past. God forgives that as far as the east is to the west and buries that junk on the bottom of an ocean floor and never brings it back up to us again. So then we're connected as brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a dad. I have four young girls and honestly, there's nothing more than I want than them just to love well get along, share their toys, and peacefully go to bed each night, right? <laughs> Just get along, work out your stuff, all right? And they do an amazing job of it most of the time. And, uh, but here's the deal. I think the Father in heaven wants the same thing to his beautiful bride on earth. It's not beautiful if we're, if we're sowing discord among each other or we're gossiping behind each other's backs or, or we're not even working out our differences or our offenses, 
Matthew 18 lays out this specific way in which we deal with conflict and offense, and, and part of it involves family. And, and let me just say, there's a few things that you can't get online. You can't get the challenge of coming together with somebody who's totally different than you and choosing connection and choosing intimate relationship and a face-to-face -face relationship. We're appreciative of the online experience. We're appreciative of people who don't feel safe coming out into church yet in person or those who can't or even beyond the reach of those who would not maybe attend Upper Room. So we're super thankful for you. But the thing is, it wasn't God's original design for us to come together and worship Him by ourselves. It wasn't God's original design for us just to do it from home by ourselves. We create this thing in here that we don't just come for us, we come for others. And we come and we're presented with this opportunity to be family. And what that means is celebrating who one another is without stumbling over who we're not. Family is this thing to where we see destiny more than we see history. We see the future together. We see your purpose. We see God's identity on your life more than we see who you used to be. More than we see that sin that used to control your life or, or that person you used to be. I was arrested several times as a teenager, but that's not who I am anymore. I was depressed and suicidal and a drunk and an adulterer, I, that, but that's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ, and I get to live in a calling that God calls me to. And when I don't, I have this beautiful group of people called family that gets to lift me up, brush off that dust, and even at times hold me accountable when I need it. That's family. Family is, is celebrating one another. It's loving, and it's actually working in this mess and growing closer together while growing closer to God. That's kind of the ways that we've been defining family, what we've been talking about, that it is a culture that's created, that this isn't a physical address, but we call this home. And in this house, we do these things. We laugh, we hug, we, 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 we encourage one another. We're patient, right? Like it says, most of the time. Those are the things that family, but it is messy. It is not perfect. We, you may not like, or it may be distracting in the ways that some others worship in our worship service more than or differently than you. It may be distracting, but guess what? We love that person, and we love the way they express their feelings to the Lord, even though it might be different than mine. And that's how we enter into this thing called family or bride or the kingdom of God or the body of Christ. So one of the things we've enjoyed through this series is a video series that Jason's graciously spent the time compiling each week. And today we want to feature a young lady named Morgan King. She's awesome. She was here at the 9 a.m. service. So we've had a pleasure of getting to know her, but also seeing other stories of how family, Upper Room, and the Kingdom family has impacted others while being on a journey here at Upper Room. So let's check out Morgan and get to meet her. everyone, it's Morgan King, and I have been attending Upper Room for about three years now, and one of my favorite things so far has been the family and the culture. So three years ago, I fell in love with CrossFit, and I fell in love with CrossFit because of the community and the closeness of the people, and I thought how amazing that would be to find a church that was the same way, but thought there was no possible way. And then I met someone who told me about Upper Room, and from the very first moment I walked through the doors, I felt that family and that connection, and they've been there for me, and they've had my back, and I've seen love demonstrated in amazing ways that I've never seen before. And that's absolutely incredible, especially for me thinking that that wasn't even possible. 
One of the most challenging things to me coming to Upper Room is walking in the doors and not knowing a single person. And as an outgoing person, that's super, super challenging and somewhat frustrating as well. But with time and just being myself and involving myself in as many areas as I can, that has completely changed. And now this is my family. I'd say the biggest thing that's been transformed in my life since being here is the way that I view God and His love. And He's not a God up there with a huge stick and a rod of correction. Even though He is just, He's also so, so loving. So if this is your first time here, or even if it's not, I would love to connect with you. I'd love to meet you. I'm normally at the 9 a.m. service or some other activities that Upper Room is doing. So reach out, say hello, and I'd love to meet you. See ya. That is Morgan, and uh, she's awesome, and we're so honored to have her here, and it's a crazy story. Recently, I got to hear a story of her coming to church for the, to Upper Room for the very first time, and uh, it came from a seed that was planted from Christy, and Christy uh, was in GNC, and Morgan was working there at the time, and uh, she prayed for her, and Morgan tells it basically like she said, I had never experienced God's love in that way through another person. So invites her to Upper Room. On the way here, she sees a childhood friend along the interstate, Kaylee, who did the announcement video. They wave at each other on the interstate, and then they go about their way, and then to find each other in the sanctuary here that day, not knowing each other were coming here. So just how the Lord connects these dots, and it's been a pleasure for Nicole and I get to know Morgan, and, and she's sweet. She lights up a room. I was giving her an encouraging word at the first service, how she literally will change an entire atmosphere, environment, and a group of people whenever she's around them. So get to know her. It's been a pleasure for her being grafted into this family. Two weeks ago, Steve Bowen spoke, and he spoke on the power of grace, and he called it the empowering presence of God. And uh, there was one quote that I took away that uh, I just loved, and he says, and it said this, he says, we bloom, uh, it says, we bloom where we are planted. So meaning, we bloom where we're planted, but we can't bloom if we're not planted. We have to be planted in Christ. We have to be planted, honestly, in a body. And this encourages an environment, a culture. I heard uh, one person say once, you, you can't create an atmosphere where everybody grows. But in a greenhouse, you could create an atmosphere where no one grows. It's this thing to where we choose to enter into this and we choose what we want out of it and whether or not we're going to enter in covenant here or plant a stake in the ground and, and say, okay, I'm going to be an owner, not a renter. I'm going to put my picture on the family wall and actually call this place home. And now this is my church, my family. Listen, this is not the pastor's family or church. It's ours. We are a family. We're one body, right? So, so anyway, he said this. We, are, we bloom where we're planted. And here's what I think. I think it's time we root down and we plant so that we can grow and so that we can bloom. So a few weeks ago, Jared and I, we were having a conversation. He's not here today, but it is his birthday. If you happen to know him personally or have his number, wish him a happy birthday. So we were talking one day after church, and it was one of the weeks I did a family message. And he's like, man, I just had this image. And he began to tell me about uh, grafting trees and grafting fruit trees and and he's a barista at purebred and uh we, we go way back we've been friends for a few years but now he's been part of upper room for a couple years now and so so we we used to work out at the garage together and in a garage gym and we have a mutual friend noah and it's just this fun connection so anyways he was talking about this grafting and and he, his love for coffee began to just like ooze out 
And he said there's this particular coffee. There's really two kind of coffees that they're really into and how, what they've been roasting at Purebred. And, and kind of in, in basically in summary, there are two different types of coffees. And one is very hardy. And one, the tree grows really resilient, it's disease resistant, it, it grows in adverse conditions, and it's hardy, and it's dependable, and, and you can expect a good harvest every year from this one particular uh, uh, bean, this coffee bean. However, it's not the greatest taste, all right? But it's dependable, all right? Anybody had these struggles in their life? But yet there's this other coffee tree and this bean that tastes great, but it's not as dependable. And, and year to year, you don't know what it's going to yield, but it is the highest quality, best taste, but it's not disease resistant. It fluctuates year to year on the harvest. So what they did was, and this is what you can do, and I worked at an apple orchard at a young age where I learned to drive truck, a tractor, all these things. At 12 years old, I'm, I'm working at an apple orchard. My dad made me. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was a ton of fun. So young age, I'm working, and we, I saw some of this. But here's the cool thing about grafting, and we'll show you an image of kind of what it is here. Grafting is you take a branch from one fruit tree or one species of tree that you want that has benefits, and you graft it literally into the root system or the trunk of another tree. And it's something to where you're basically merging the two into one. All right, so what happens is you take the one, and this is what they did, and Jared was telling me, they took the beans that taste good and that were great, and they grafted it into the trunk of the root system of the tree that was dependable. Now you get the harvest from the tree of the good tasting coffee, but the dependability and the disease resistance and all the benefits from the other tree. And this is what happens, and, and then this is what it turns out to be. It, it looks like this. So you essentially cut it off, you cut holes or, or you, you shave off part of the tree, you wrap tape and then you wax or tar over that and it literally grows and the tree um, becomes one, it grows into each other. Now it bears the fruit from the tree that you grafted in but it has the benefits of the root system and the stability of the mature tree that you grafted it to. Now, here's the cool thing about that is that you get the benefit and, and let me just, here's some fun facts. You could actually do this and put multiple fruit trees on one trunk. You could literally grow pears, plums, and maybe a variety of apples from one tree potentially. And you could grow even two different versions of apples from one tree, and it will bear the fruit from the branch in which it came from. I like that because in the church setting or the kingdom being grafted into the family of God eternally, there's two things that I want to portray here. Is you get grafted into the family of God, the kingdom, the eternal family, with, with heaven as our destination, right? And then we have earth here as our life now as a fraction of eternity, and we get grafted into a body or a church or a local church that we attend and we get to be grafted in and have the benefits of encouraging each other, sharpening each other's iron, uh, holding each other accountable, loving, having fun together, doing life and going on adventures together called life, right? So, but here's the thing, as we bring everybody, and as the Lord words it, as we be, bring this peculiar people together, this eclectic, unique, different, different colors, different t skin tones, different, different personalities, different giftings, anointings, and calls. We bring everybody together. We get rooted in Christ. We get rooted in the environment here. And all of a sudden, we each get to bear our fruit, and we each get to produce a harvest and actually fulfill an assignment from the same root system, but all these different fruits. I like the idea of that. So you're taking the best of both worlds and we're being grafted into this family of God. And if you look at it, it's even generational. 
We get to take a young Christian or a baby Christian, graft them into a mature environment or with a mature Christian. They grow together, and now they each produce fruit together. It's this great, great culture, this great system. And the other thing is it expedites the process. You can take an unhealthy thing or person and bring them into a healthy environment, and all of a sudden they get healthy. It's this beautiful thing, that, but it expedites the process, and here's why. Because to take a, a plant or a tree, let's say a fruit tree from seed to harvest, you're talking anywhere from 8 to 14 years probably. But if you graft it, you're now uh, cutting that in half, if not in third, in as low as four years you could be producing fruit from that tree that was probably on its last leg anyway. It's putting a young puppy with an old, pup, uh, uh, old dog, and now they grow together, and it brings youth to the old dog, and it trains the young dog faster. It's this beautiful thing. And so Jared's saying, he was saying, now, this reminds me of the kingdom. This reminds me of Upper Room, how we get to graft people into it, and they, now we get the best of both worlds. And it's so true. So come with me to Genesis 17. Let's give this some scriptural context. Because each one of us are being grafted, and we are grafted into the kingdom of God, as well as being grafted into the family here at Upper Room uh, to do life together and, and to go through this together. Genesis 17, I'm going to read 1 through 5 and then 15 and 16. It'll be on the screen for you if you need it. When Abram was 99 years old, say young pup. When Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram, he said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. It says, but your name shall be called Abraham for I have made you the father of many or a multitude of nations. Verses 15 and 16, the same context, but with Sarai. It says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. This is an amazing thing. Now, literally, here's what happened. They were grafted into the family. God's, one of his original names is Yahweh. Or, or, and, or, or even simplified to four Hebraic letters of Y-H-W-H. So Yahweh is how we Americanized people would say that. Now here's the thing, there's an H in that name. Now what was happening is God was literally changing the identity of Abram and Sarai and grafting them into the family of God and literally making them part of his DNA and he part of their DNA. So he took the H, or what would pronounce hey, and he put that and put it, inputted it, grafted into the literally their name, their identity, their purpose, and the very being of who they were. As well as them and him now. Now they relate. They were grafted into the kingdom of God. Now here's the thing. Their name meanings before this, Abram was high father. He was a father, or high father. Sarai meant princess, my princess. Two, Abraham went father of many nations, and Sarah meant mother of many nations. Now, here's the thing. They went from being a son or a daughter or just a father and a princess to now a mom and a dad of many or a multitude of nations. When we are grafted into the kingdom of God, when we repent and we, we invite Jesus into our hearts and we accept the plan of salvation and the gift of what he did and died for us and was crucified and resurrected for us and we get invited back into the eternity with the Father, 
That gap was bridged through Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, we take on a new name. The Bible words it like this. We are new creations or new creatures in Christ. The old is gone, and now the new is here. So now I get to walk in this new name. It's the same thing as a, as a, as a husband and wife. The Bible talks about that a, that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. There's this leaving and cleaving to where we get to leave the past behind. We get to leave who we once were, and now we get to cleave and become one flesh with our spouse. It's the same thing in the body of Christ with us as the bride, and he is the bridegroom. We get to leave the old behind, and all now, all things, he's made all things new, and I take on a new name just as a bride takes on a new name of the groom. It's amazing how much our name associates with our identity and our purpose. The Bible says that God called you by name before you were ever even knit together in your mother's womb. God was a genius when he gave whoever named you, whether your mom, dad, maybe a grandparent had influence. He was a genius when you were named. I was named Aaron even before I was thought of by God, and he planted that idea in my mom and dad to give me officially the name and now to walk out my assignment as an Aaron on the earth. Many of us, we get nicknames. How many here have nicknames? I've had nicknames. I've been Simone. I've been Smiley. I've been all these things, right? It's just been some of my nicknames growing up. Ernie. I don't even know where that one came from. But for the longest time as a little boy, I was Ernie. And it, it's like kind of ornery and this like squirrely kid that was cute, right? I was a towhead. I was really skinny, blonde hair. I basically looked like Hadassah at her age. So, so at any rate, these nicknames become part of our DNA and who we are. And the ones you don't like and that were negative and word curses, just remove them right now. If they were dumb or stupid or you're not going to amount to anything or anything related to anything that was death coming out of lips, just remove those right now because the Father has a much bigger plan for you. But the ones that help shape us and mold us and call us courageous, because you got to think, what's God call us versus what the enemy calls us? God calls us mighty ones. God calls us worthy. He calls us holy. He calls us a royal priesthood, a chosen people. That's who the Lord identifies us as, a new creation, a new creature. And he's saying to Abram and Sarah, you're no longer just a son and daughter. Now you're a mother and a father, and I'm inputting literally my DNA into you. And now you have H in your name. You are, you are one with me. This is grafting into the family. So let me finish my last point here. I began to pray into this and begin to pray into uh, what, this, what this meant and what it was. And I began to like lean my heart to like all the messages I've preached on trees. I'm not an arborist. I'm not a horticulturalist. But I love landscaping. I love designing it. I love laying it out. I love implementing different textures and colors and, and blooms and of what seasons. And, and Nicole and I enjoy this. And in the spring, we oftentimes uh, split things and move things and transplant things. And, and we'll add beds and we'll change beds. And then I get a ton more work and a lot more mulch to spread. But it's fun. And I love my wife. So we make it work. So, but here's the deal. I enjoy this. So throughout the years, I've preached on the cedars of Lebanon, and I've talked about bamboo, how it grows down seven years before it ever shoots up. And when it shoots up, it could grow up to a foot a night or a week. And phew, you have this great bamboo and these forests of bamboo and how amazing that is and how the root systems intertwine. It's this fun thing. So the Lord brought Psalms 92.12 to my heart and in, in, in really leaning into trees and being grafted into a family and what that is like. And I believe we're in a season right now of rooting in. I believe that upper room is in a reset season. I believe there's people being grafted in, and I believe there's harvest that's going out to plant seeds elsewhere. I believe there's a reset going on right now, and I'm excited for it. 
and I'm excited for the restructuring and the other things that's going on right now, a lot of it to do with COVID and to do a change of seasons, and there's just, it's just where we are. So I'm super elated to see what the Lord's going to do through this. And as I brought my heart to this, here's what it says. It says, but the godly. Now, previous verses are talking about the wicked, what the wicked are like, and weeds and different things. I believe there's a weeding going on in our lives, in our hearts, and in the places and things around us. And in upper room, I believe there's a weeding going on. So he says that the wicked will, will be like weeds and etc. But here we get to the heart of this, and it says, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Now, to me, these are two amazing trees. And I looked at commentaries in the last couple of weeks. I began to learn even some new things about palm trees and the cedars of Lebanon. I know I did a word study on the cedars of Lebanon, and I know a lot of the context there, but I didn't know the depth of some of this beautiful meaning about a palm tree. Now, palm trees can grow oh, 100 feet, 60, 80 feet tall. And they grow and they just, they, they weather these storms and they weather droughts and they weather these windstorms and even hurricanes. And oftentimes you'll see them bowing and bending and waving and you see their palm branches wave. And at times, even in severe hurricanes, you'll see the palm branches go away, but then all of a sudden new ones sprout out. It's this beautiful tree that grows mighty and strong and it actually doesn't bear fruit until it's mature. There's a maturing season. Now, now here's the interesting thing about palm trees is they are planted in sand. Now, meaning sand does not have nutrients. Sand cannot hold moisture. So they root down and they find crevices and creases and they will go to where there's moisture and then they will grow from there. Now here's the thing, there's up to 360 purposes for palm trees. Shade, protection, wind protection, fruit. There's all these different fruits and dates and coconuts and different things of various palm trees. But here's, here's one of the interesting things is it's also an indicator where there's nutrients in water. In Acts 4, Barnabas uses a palm tree to find where there's going to be water and nutrients in the land. Because somewhere down there, I could plant a well, because somewhere, because there's palm trees growing, there's water. And that's the cool thing about a palm tree is it roots down and it focuses rooting and it focuses and it finds the nutrients and it, and it keeps going until it grows. And then once it's mature, all of a sudden now it bears fruit. I think that's awesome, and I, it gives me this context to know that, that it, it's this fun thing to know that as we mature in Christ, we gain our fruitfulness, and we bear fruit. Now, now don't get discouraged if you're young, because I got the next tree for you. So, but here's the thing. Jesus focused 30 years of alignment before he only had three years of assignment. Three years of identity, three years of knowing and knowing the Father and learning the Father and learning and, and just being him Right, Being still and knowing God for three years of ministry, three years of miracles, three years. It was about a rooting of 30 years for three years of harvest. I think a lot of times we want to switch that. We want to see three years of rooting so we can have 30 years of harvest and 30 years of bearing fruit. And my time, I turned 40 a week or so ago. And it's like, oh man, that night before, it just hit me. Like literally, I, I, was, I was there the night before and I was alone, I was not feeling, I was, I was sleeping on the couch, I was ill, and I was like, man, tomorrow I turn 40, I'm going to be twice the age of who I think is cool. <laughs> I'm like, man, it just hit me. And then it wasn't until I came in here last Sunday and we played the birthday video, which was a surprise to me to hear several words saying, it's your promised land season now. Not that you've been in the wilderness, but it's been 40 years and now the promised land is yours. I'm like, all right, 40, here I come, let's do this thing. 
Because now I get to realize that, okay, I've had a rooting season, and not all of it's been perfect. I've hurt people. I've, I've done the wrong things. I've made mistakes. But now I want to focus on bearing fruit to set up the next generation, which is what a palm tree is. It's a generational tree that at, sometimes that is a mature life. A, a date palm tree could produce 300 pounds of dates in one season. I want to grow mature and root in so deep that when it is my maturing season, I get to be generational with my seeds and affect the next generation. That's the greatness about a palm tree. Next thing, and I'll conclude with this, is the cedars of Lebanon. The cedar of Lebanon is this unique tree that also grows in a very unique environment that doesn't have good soil. It literally grows in a rocky environment or even at times on the sides of rock cliffs and all of these areas of just cliffs and rocks and stony ground. And, and, and what happens is a, a seed finds a crevice and eventually roots in and works its way and eventually finds some form and shape or resource of nutrients. Now, here's the thing. They typically grow together, and when they were more prevalent, they would grow together, and their, their, their root systems would intertwine like vines. And they would hold each other to the side of the mountain or hold each other in because they too would be susceptible to terrible environments with wind and, and scorching days and freezing nights. But it was the comfort and it was the security and the stability of the cedars of Lebanon being rooted together. That's us in the body of Christ as we're grafted in. Now we're rooted together and we're intertwined in this body of Christ to encourage one another, to hold each other up. And then when adverse conditions to come, we got each other's backs. Now here's the other interesting thing is that a cedar tree or a cedar of Lebanon tree will oftentimes be more fruitful in its juvenile maturity. It is more fruitful but continually remains fruitful but just decreases a little bit. Now so two different trees in the way that they're fruitful. So sometimes we as believers or we as Christians we think, okay, our time is done. Okay, it's time for the next generation to teach that Sunday school class. It's time for the next generation to get on the stage and lead worship. Let me just remind you, if you're here and you're present and you're still on this earth, God still has a plan for you regardless of your age. You might be a cedar of Lebanon and your fruit may change. Your fruit productivity may change and it might look different. You know, an empty nester is going to have a different fruitful season than Nicole and I with four little girls. Now you get to focus on some grandkids and some other fun things that you get to be fruitful in. But if we're here, we're always meant to be fruitful and multiply. And it's super easy when we're rooted in in Christ and we're rooted in a community with root systems intertwining together to encourage one another. Listen, you might be old, but you're not out. I can't say anything because, like, I'm, I'm the middle of the road here. I, I, if I start saying stuff against the young generation I'm, or the old, the mature ones, I, so I've got to be really careful right now. That's why we just say the mature. You might be mature, but you're not out. Listen, God's not done with you yet. And I love the saying, your best years are going to continue. Your best years are not just yet ahead. They're going to continue. It's going to get better and better and better, sweeter like a good wine. Now, let me, let me just close with this. Revelations 22, 1 and 2 says this, and this will set Nicole up for next week. It's time to get rooted in so we can bear fruit. Revelations 22 is this picture. It's John the Beloved, the, the friend of Jesus, the one that was leaning into the bosom of Jesus, listening to the answers that Peter was asking. God, as a love gift, didn't give revelation to John as a fear tool. It was given to him as a love gift to see the glimpse and the beauty of heaven and how amazing it is. How many are excited for heaven? Like, I really am. But our upgrade is not ready yet. Our upgrade has not come yet. We're not yet ready for first class. 
but we're on our way there. But heaven is this beautiful thing, so John was given this picture and this beautiful depiction of what heaven is, and you find it in Revelation. Many times we grow up in systems or religions where it's twisted and used as a fear tactic to scare the hell out of you rather than reveal the love of the Father to you. I was at the barber this week, and somebody says, hey, what do you think about all this? Is the rapture coming? Yep, it is. Yep, the Bible says it will. I don't know when, but... And I said, I grew up in a system where the rapture was like every day. Like, I came home from school one day in third grade. I thought I missed it. My parents weren't there. My mom wasn't there. I didn't know what was going on. I was scared. I called my grandma of the most righteous person I know. She didn't answer the phone. I'm like, ah. Because it was always depicted as this fear thing, and I just may not be good enough to make it to heaven, or I might have that sin in my life that might keep me from heaven. Listen, I love what Morgan said. He's not a task-minded God. He is a God of justice, but he's also a loving father and a friend. We're grafted into a family, not a prison system to where our behavior might get us an early release. It is a love family. Now, let me, let me carry on here. Revelations 22, 1 through 2 says this. Then the angel showed me, John, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. I'll be honest, I can seldom read Revelation without getting emotionally drawn to the beauty of Jesus, without the beauty of the throne and the beauty of heaven. It's this amazing thing. Think of that. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of this river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. How many believe the nations need some healing right now? Let me just tell you, you get to bear the fruit that leads to the healing of the nations and the influence and the cultures and the, the spheres of influence around you. When we root down... And our roots are coming from the throne, the presence, the kingdom of God. We can't help but bear fruit in every season. And our roots come from the source of Jesus, of the Father, to where we can bear fruit all the time. It's amazing. The Bible says to be ready, be fruitful, or be ready in season and out of season. And if you remember a story, I preached it about eight months ago, and you can look on YouTube, about the fig tree and how Jesus cursed the fig tree even out of season. That fig tree was out of season. He's like, curse, you should, I want figs, give me figs. It's this beautiful thing of relationship and how we're just supposed to bear fruit. And it's hard to bear fruit if we're not rooted in the source of the giver of the harvest, Jesus. And when we're rooted there and we're rooted in a local body and we're rooted in a, in a local family, all of a sudden we're encouraged in our vines and our, in our, in our root systems intertwined to strengthen one another, to withstand these troubled times. To withstand these winds and these turbulent storms and these hurricanes that are blowing in our nation right now. All of a sudden, we get to lean on the presence of God and root in and know that the river that's flowing from the throne of God is going to bear fruit, even if it's something different than what we look. Even if it's different than what we think it should look like. Let me, let me end with this last story. And it's this. Nick and I, uh, Nick Lambert, if you don't know him, he's the one passing out the flyers to all the men as you came into the church today because he leads our men's ministry. Amazing guy, police officer, man of valor. And, um, and we started up one of, one of the first one or two, three cell groups or small groups um, years ago, probably about 12 or more years ago. And I remember Nick and I thinking he was a corrections officer at the time. I was um, a firefighter at the time, and we're like, all right, let's start a group, and let's just uh, be a part of this group, and maybe we'll meet, meet, uh, reach public servants or first responders or police officers. So we would meet, and for months we met alone. 
No one showed up. We'd invite people, they wouldn't come. We'd invite people, they'd say they'd come, they wouldn't come. And we just, so we would stand, and then all of a sudden, one guy, Aaron, he came. We're like, okay, we, we're a third bigger now. And we would literally, for another three months, nobody. And we would stand on a stage at the old building, at the old church building, and we would just pray. And, and that was us rooting in. We were praying. We were sharing each other's struggles and temptations. We were encouraging one another. We were blessing one another. Then all of a sudden, it was like months later, people started showing up. We had this one guy show up, and he ended up, he basically was a drug addict. And all of a sudden, he started bringing people. And before you know it, within a year then, we had 30 people. James is one of the pieces of fruit from that group. All right? And this group was not public servants, was it, James? It was not first responders or police officers. It was as far almost as you could get from that as possible. But we were real. And, and we were becoming best friends. And, and I was best friends with convicts and, and help, letting them help me. And I was helping them with my lawn care company. And we're, they're helping me build a house and all these things. And it was this amazing, beautiful picture that I thought the fruit was going to look like this. But God had a different thing in mind. So we just rooted in. And then all of a sudden, God began to bring in fruit and reap a harvest. And it was so fun. And I learned so much about people and life and realness and authenticity and guys didn't care i had never done drugs guys didn't care that i couldn't relate about what crack was like or heroin was like or or prison was like guys related because i was real and we cared that was it and we were rooted and grounded in love why don't you stand with me we're going to do communion and end uh, service that way so if you're at home and you're joining us live right now, just grab something that would uh, symbolize communion. And I just want to read you a story. I, the way I learn is I, I take notes. And uh, that's the way I learn, and it's the way I oftentimes soak on things or meditate on things. Is If I'm meeting with somebody and they're really like throwing down some good rev bombs, I'll take some notes. If you don't have communion, just raise your hand. There's uh, Amy will go around with a communion basket and, and uh, so if you need a communion cup just raise your hand they'll get to you there's a couple here in front a couple in back thank you guys and if you're at home again just something that symbolizes communion it could be coffee and a muffin whatever you have we'll, we'll go with the symbolism today so I was with a good friend of mine Paul Yadal and, uh, and also a pastor friend named Chuck we're having lunch and Paul just begins to talk about some of these covenant um, opportunities in the family of God. And, and, and then it began to relate to communion. And I've never read this, never shared it publicly. And this was a few years ago. And I'd love to just read what I wrote that day. And then he reminded me of it through Facebook recently. I was like, hey, I've got some choppy notes. What was it? And uh, so through that, I'd just love to read because oftentimes as Paul describes communion and Paul does this, it's, it's oftentimes this thing to where we do it in remembrance of him and we do it to remember the blood and to remember his body, the bread representing the, the body. And many times we focus on that, and, but that's not all. I'm not saying it's something different, but that's not all. The blood represents the new covenant. It's a covenant. And today as we're rooting in, I want to make sure we root in to Jesus Christ and be grafted into the body of his kingdom and that we know that it is covenant. And covenant will go as deep as we take it. Like he's, he's running out. There's no, no wall he won't kick down, right? The song we sang earlier. No mountain he won't climb up to come after us. And all we have to do is say yes. And there's this covenant invitation today to be grafted into the family of God. 
So I just want to read this without further ado. It says, Paul, Paul was saying this, the breaking of bread and its elements, bread and wine, are symbolic of covenantal relationship. Covenant means to cut. Therefore, there's shedding of blood and life is in the blood. Knowing this, that individually and corporately we are covenanted with him through Christ since we are one body and one spirit and one blood. Therefore, we only function and relate to one another on the basis of covenant, not contract, not just membership, not just convenience. When Jesus broke the bread and gave the wine, he explicitly said that it's the blood of the new covenant. Therefore, partaking of the communion is more than just a remembrance of his atoning death. It is atonement. Now, now let, me, let me just give you a visual word here. Atonement is, is at-one-ment. Now, I'm not saying the Hebrew or Greek meaning of the word. I'm just saying a visual depiction of atonement is at-one-ment. Okay, so that's why Paul would go to the extent of saying we are members to one another. Essentially, and we're in summary, we're one body, one family under his blood. That's how we're connected as a family. That's how we're grafted in. It's not because we think alike. It's not because we look alike. It's not because we all agree on everything. It's not because this is just the closest church to our house. No, or, or we should be one with the Baptists down the road or the Methodists or just because we're non-denominational, we're still part of the same family who's part of, who our others are part of the same family and blood based on just a different place they may worship. But we're brothers and sisters based on the atonement of Christ's blood. Meaning there's no division. When we're believing Christ crucified, resurrected, and from the same Bible, I don't understand the division. We are one family, one body. We just happen to worship and do life together at Upper Room. So I want to invite you, and we're just going to pray, and we'll close service pretty much this way. Everybody's like, man, 1230, not so bad. So if you just take off the first part, the bread. This represents his body. His body was beaten for us. He, it was, he was persecuted for us. He was spit on. He was whipped. He was stabbed. I mean, if you think about the process of his body and what he sacrificed for us to be connected back to the Father as one, man, what greater unity is that? So, Lord, we thank you for your body. Not just your physical body that, that was brutally beaten and sacrificed for us, but also your body, your bride here on the earth. We thank you that, that you're making her beautiful, that you're perfecting her. You're, you've created us in your image. And Lord, we ask for the unity. And we ask that your body will bring us all together again. We thank you for the atonement. We thank you for that we are one with you. We thank you for the body. We thank you for your crucifixion and what you endured for us to come back to the Father. We thank you. As you do that, just remember Christ's body. Now the feel of that next section, it's juice or wine or maybe coffee if you're at home. This represents ultimately the blood of Jesus. Like we said, the blood of the new covenant. I just love to bless this and pray over Christ's blood for us. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you that we are grafted into your family, that there is power in your blood, that there is purpose in your blood. 
Lord, we thank you that you've called us out of something. You're calling us to something. And you've called us into oneness with you. You've connected us through your blood, through your crucifixion and your resurrection. We thank you for the covenant power of your blood. We thank you for the covering. We thank you for the cleansing power of your blood. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the unity that your blood has manifested here on the earth. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your continual blood that sheds for us. We thank you. Let me just close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this family. I thank you for the kingdom of God. I thank you for the big C church. I thank you for who you are and who you've called each one of us to be, each one of these unique churches and even denominations, Lord, to be. And I ask for unity. Just begin to shift your hearts right now. Let's pray unity in the bride. Let's begin to bless the bride, no matter what building we're in or denomination we're in. We bless your bride. We bless your body. We bless your, your, your family of believers, Jesus. We bless our brothers and sisters who worship in different ways, who come from different buildings or different ministries or, or walks of life or places in the nations, Lord. We bless your bride. And we ask that you perfect your bride and become like you and in your image, Lord. We thank you for unity. Lord, we cancel the enemy's assignment to divide your bride. We cancel the enemy's devour to create distension or division in any way of your body of believers right now. We thank you for the unity of the bride. We thank you for the healing of the nations, Lord. We thank you for the healing of our nation, Lord. We bless those who are leading our nation. We, we pray for your divine hand in this election, in this nation, in this nation moving forward, in these, these positions and the alignments that you're creating, Lord, for your bride to advance, for your kingdom to advance, Lord, not just in our nation, but worldwide, God. We thank you for revival. We thank you for righteousness, Lord. We thank you for what's taking place in this historic moment, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for our alignment, for our assignments here as a body and as individuals. We thank you that you're equipping us for the works of our ministries, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We thank I just, I want to remind you, listen, I, w- I didn't say this first service, this is not a plan, but we do have the opportunity. I was listening to Bill Johnson speak on, on this election, and I was listening to him how we have the power through prayer and voting to shift culture, to shift things. And, and I just want to encourage you, vote based on policy, vote based on biblical values, not personalities or people. We know there's full personalities right now, but we have to vote to preserve and protect life. We have to protect life and innocent babies. We have to protect the sanctity of marriage and the definition that the Bible gives of family. So I want to encourage you. You need to make sure you're registered. You need to make sure you have a way to vote. It's only a month away. So we need to make sure we're prepared. We, the body, get to have a voice in this. And this is for the future of our children and grandchildren, protecting the values of Christianity and our freedom to have religion and worship Jesus Christ. So that's a little plug, and I don't typically do this a lot, but I feel the urgency in this month to pray and lean our hearts and make sure we show up as a body of Christ and Christ. 
Christ followers. I love you guys. Thank you. I'm excited for Nicole and what she's going to bring next week, that as we're now rooted, we can bear much fruit. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Bless you, everybody tuning in online.